Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So uh, I happened uh, to come across somebody I thought would be very, very interesting to chat to, and that is Miriam Dubigazan. She's a publisher, and she's also the youngest Holocaust survivor. Uh, Miriam, a very, very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Okay, thank you very much. And it's starting now the Sukkot, the holiday here, and uh, everybody is preparing himself for the last day of Simchat Torah, the uh, the happiness of the uh, receiving the Torah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, it's, I don't uh, know how to translate uh, it. It's uh, it's absolutely fine. So, so Miriam, it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you. You've had a and continue to have a fascinating, fascinating life. What does it mean that you are the youngest Holocaust survivor? Take us take us back to the okay. early part of your okay. life. Okay, I'll take you back to 1945, 12th of March, 1945. They thought it was the day of uh, that uh, Anna Frank died in Bergen-Belsen. Mm-hmm. That was the day. And my mother was in the cellar in Amsterdam, hiding. 23 times they went from place to place. Wow. And the Dutch were not such good people like they no. think they are. Okay, <laughs> it was that time. And uh, whatever, she uh, she was already nine months pregnant. And she had to give birth, but in a cellar. And you can't, you you can't call a, a doctor because it was too dangerous. Until the last day, the Germans uh, uh, went uh, went after the Jews. So she was sitting in that cellar. She didn't know what to do. And before uh, the war started, she was a pianist, pianist. Mm-hmm. And what she, what she actually did is. And she was mad on Beethoven. She loved him very much. And the mask of the death mask of Beethoven was in her hands. And then she put it down next to her. And then uh, when the contraction started, then she started to play the fourth piano concert of Beethoven on her belly. Unbelievable. Twice. Yes. Until I was born. Unbelievable. And I only heard yeah, it once. That is, that, you only heard it once. That is, it's, it's just an incredible, so they kept moving. They were, uh, they, they kept moving. Were, were your parents? From one place to the other. And, and they were Dutch, your parents. And they were Dutch and there was no, they, 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 they just, it, it's an unbelievable story because they survived. It's unbelievable. There are many, many stories. Uh, about it, and I wrote a script about it, and it's called Beethoven in Hiding. And I hope one time that your listeners will see will see the film. Well, I hope so as well, because that's just an incredible, incredible story. So, what happens then? You you born in in uh, in under very very difficult conditions. It's thankfully towards the end of the war. Yeah, towards the end of the war. Mm-hmm. And the first time they took me outside, the first time I saw light was when the when the of, when the war was over at eight of the eighth of May, nineteen forty. Five, and I saw the first time I saw sunlight. That's, that's, that's 
not that I remember. No, of course, of course. But, but, but if, but if, but, and, and that's what I was going to ask you. How does this impact on you? Because obviously you don't remember that, uh, you know, it was the first, it was the first few months of your life, but it really does. It's got to have a major impact, obviously on your parents, on you, um, in terms of how you view the world after that. Yes. I definitely think so, that the period when my mother was in hiding, and he was, she was uh, uh, even jump, jumping from one floor to another to, uh, to escape, I think it had an impact at me, uh, at me. And after the words, when I was a small child at three years of age, I was sitting under the table. My parents didn't talk to us. And they were telling some people about themselves, only Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And so I heard the story, and it took me many years to understand what they went through. Whatever it is, it had an effect on me. The first thing is that uh, at the age of three, when I was three years of age, I was on a Jewish um, kindergarten. And the, the, the teacher, she said, Israel, 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 and she was dancing. Mm. So I, I, I ran to her and I, and I danced with her and then the other children came. That was one thing in my mind. I said, I have to go to Israel. And when I was five years of age, I knew already to read and write in Hebrew and in, in Dutch. So I, I read that my first book was the day that Anna Frank died. The, the, uh, mm. the, 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 the the uh, the book yes. uh, about her what she was writing, and then I said I have to be a writer, and now I come to the publishing uh, yes. uh, story. Yeah, I wrote already a book uh, in when I was uh, very young, because in Holland they believed that Holocaust survivors were only the people who came out of the camps. But what about the Jews who, who were in, in hiding? Absolutely. So I wrote yeah. a book, mm. and, and I wrote a book that is still sold now in, uh, in the internet. It's called Jews Without Numbers. That and is it so interesting because, it, yeah, it, it, you know, just, just to add to that, my late grandparents, they came from, from Germany. They got out just before the war. And, and in, in classic terms, they weren't considered survivors. They were survivors. They lost their entire family. They survived as two young people fleeing across the world. Of course, they were survivors. They lived, lived with the baggage and the, the impact their entire lives as survivors. And uh, I think you, you put it so beautifully, survivors, uh, Jews without numbers. That's exactly what that is. Yes, and, and it's still, it's still people read it because it made a difference even with the Dutch government. When they, when they had to decide who to give the uh, reparations, then they decided then after they read the book, they decided that the Jews without numbers were also survivors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. And then you, you've, uh, you're a writer, you've been a journalist. Uh, It's, it's, uh, it it seems as though telling the stories of, uh, of of human experience became your passion. Yes. First of all, I decided already from the first day that I live, I think, that I dedicate my life to, to help other people. And I have been in Israel when I came 17 years of age 
and I didn't know anybody here. And in, when I was 20, I was already a director of Absorption Center for the Jewish Agency, very, very young. Mm. And I helped people from all over the world who came to Israel to, to, uh, to help them how to, uh, to find work, how mm. to find a house, how to find this and that. But that is not the most uh, important thing. Many years later, I, uh, tw- in 1997, I... Came, I woke up one morning and I said, Eureka, you know what yes, you yes, said, of made us of course. Eureka. Yes. Okay. And then I said, I'm going to, uh, to write people's life stories. And since then, 26 years, I've done 1,452 books. Wow. All life stories. That is And there, there are 700 about, 700 about Holocaust survivors from all over the world. And it is amazing. Until today, I'm always excited when I start to uh, interview new people about their stories. It is amazing. And if you don't write them, they're going to be lost. Absolutely right. Uh, Unfortunately, that is all we have time for. But wow, I could continue having this conversation for hours. We will get you back. Uh, There is no doubt about that. Because what a fascinating story. What a fascinating life. And uh, no doubt, unbelievable insights. Miriam Adubi Gazan, who is a publisher. She's also the youngest Holocaust survivor. Uh, She's author of many, many books. Joined us this morning.